RPG. I am your host, Ashley, for this special bonus episode. Here with me, I have Kimmy from Golden Lasso Games. How are you doing, Kimmy? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you. So you are quite the busy woman when it comes to gaming. I want to know everything about your gaming <laughs> background because you have so much going on. So uh, first of all, how did you how did you get into gaming? Uh, I think I did the, the, the dabbling of D&D in middle school, which was mm-hmm. completely unsuccessful. Uh, you have <laughs> a bunch of 12, 13-year-old, 14-year-olds trying to figure out that it just never worked out right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. We tried. We had good imaginations. Um, and that very much in that group of friends led me to playing like online RPGs, like MMOs. So I played okay. Ultima Online and EverQuest <laughs> and nice. eventually WoW, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I was I was always the nerd in there who was playing the elf and I spoke Quenya, like, ty- which you can't put on a resume as an adult, but at the time it was really cool. <laughs> I love the, like, memes where it goes through how to translate your gaming experience into resumes. Yeah. Like, I work well with the team. It's like I can balance the party or whatever. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> That's the that. one I can't. I speak Elvish. I'm sorry. That's not helpful. Right. Especially <laughs> when you're a teacher in Southern California. They're like, oh, you speak something? I'm like, uh, so like Spanish? Yes. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm multilingual. Yes. yes. I'm bilingual. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So that's fun. And then eventually that um, uh, I was working at the Renaissance Fair, just another whole hmm. random thing that I do. Uh, mm-hmm. And a bunch of friends and I were finding ourselves. We were in bands and playing music. In between shows, we'd be backstage just talking, you know, uh, RPGs and we mm-hmm. we talk about like game, uh, online RPGs but also a bunch of us had some background in playing tabletop RPGs. so mm-hmm. eventually we were like you know we have a recording studio because we record our music what if we started this thing called a podcast and just <laughs> talked about gaming yeah so we did that and that was uh, over 10 years ago now so oh, we wow. started the Happy Jacks RPG podcast okay and yeah it's been going straight through um now we do you know, they, they, they invited me into a game first. That's kind of how it started. We started playing uh, fourth edition. It like, was just the new hotness. It was just mm-hmm. out. So we started a fourth edition campaign. And then we were talking about it so much that we mm-hmm. were just like, all right, we'll do, we'll do a podcast about this. <laughs> and then here I am 10 years later still doing it. We obviously don't play fourth edition anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I love how just the random things that happen in life can lead you on this whole different trajectory than what you expected, you know? Right. It's fantastic. So <laughs> awesome. So Happy Jacks has been going on for how long has Happy Jacks been going on? Uh, over 10 years. We celebrated our okay. And last August, we celebrated our 10 year anniversary. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so what is what is Happy Jacks for those of us who don't know? Yeah, Happy Jacks is a RPG network. We started mm-hmm. off with one weekly advice show, and that's what's been going on for 10 years. And uh-huh. it started with us just like telling people what we thought about, you know, things. And we were obviously mm-hmm. smart and knew things, right? Um, yeah. Eventually, we found out people were actually listening, which was <laughs> shocking and exciting to us. Um, yeah. And then it really, it was, you know, it was back in the day where podcasts were pretty new. And there weren't yeah. very many tabletop RPG podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. So we ended up like getting this following that was 
all around the world. We have people who write in uh, letters from like Norway. We've had people from Australia. And Mm -hmm. so over the years, it kind of evolved actually very quickly, like in our first two or three seasons, something where we just talked about a topic to where Mm -hmm. we've moved now to a format that's mostly us answering questions that are sent in by people from everywhere. And we've tracked it over the last 10 years. We've had someone from every continent write in, including, yeah, including Antarctica. We made them submit photographic (laughs) proof. Right. <laughs> and they weren't allowed to tell us what they did or what they were doing there. So we have like oh. suspicions about it being some crazy military base or something. Right. But, <laughs> so. That's where you create that backstory. Like, I, yes. if you're not going to tell me, then I'm going to make we something make up and up. it's going to be <laughs> exactly. maybe better than what you're doing. But we'll see. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So and from there, we've kind of grown. Eventually, mm-hmm. people were like, we want to hear you play games. Like you give us advice all the time. You talk about <laughs> your your campaigns and all these systems. Yeah. Um, you know, so we started doing actual play play podcasts and then a couple years ago we ended up like finally like biting the bullet and starting to do streaming a bit so at this point we have three or four actual play shows every week Mm -hmm. um, that are streamed and also and then every friday we still do our advice show oh that's awesome you gotta keep your roots where you started (laughs) yeah but that's awesome so it's kind of like like you said, it's a network, right? Because you have three different shows kind of that you're doing off of this. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a, an amazing, very diverse cast of mm-hmm. around 30 people that kind of rotate between the APs. Wow. Uh, yeah. So when I say there's three or four APs a week, it's not me in them. All. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I'm in like one or two. And there we yeah. have generally about six games rotating at a time. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, which is a lot. So I'm I'm spreadsheet queen. So I get to, <laughs> I, I manage everything behind the scenes, make sure the tables are filled, that people are there, that the, are, are as balanced as we can. And, and yeah. just make that's awesome. And that's so cool. The more things like that, I'm happier with. I'm just, the more things, the better as far as I'm concerned. So um, I started out doing an actual play podcast and then moved on to Full Metal RPG. And so um, hopefully we're going to branch out into actual play stuff soon. So do we're it. kind of trying to do, yeah, a bunch of different things too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. I love it. And I love that there's this kind of resurgence and popularity of RPGs, like TTRPGs, because I don't know if it's Stranger Things or what, but something happened to where I feel like a lot more people are into it now than used to be. And I think that's fantastic. Mm. Like the more we can get that out there, the better as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you also mentioned uh, the Renaissance Festival yes. and I know that you also do some cosplaying, correct? Yeah. I started at the Renaissance Fair longer ago than I'd care to admit. Um, <laughs> and uh, through that, like I, you know, I've been doing costuming for many, many years. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh uh, in 2011, I, I'm i a huge Wonder Woman fan, like, mm. ridiculous Wonder Woman. Um, uh-huh. They came out with the pilot for the Adrian Plecky Wonder Woman show. Yes. Um, it never aired. Um, mm-hmm. I eventually did get to see the pilot um, mm-hmm. through some of my nerd connections. It was oh, cool. <laughs> terrible. I'm really glad it never aired. Oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> they... I love her. Yeah, I and love I her love too. Wonder Woman, so yeah. And I love Adrian Plecky. She's fantastic. And it was just... Yeah the worst script ever oh, it was no. like they were trying to make batman um she like oh. tortured a guy in a hotel in a in a hospital room who was already in a oh. hospital bed wow it was okay. very not wonder woman <laughs> it was very no. strange yeah. so i'm glad it was never out there but yeah. um they released a lot of her pictures of her outfit and at the time <laughs> wonder woman was like third fourth tier character for dc um mm-hmm. you know there were no plans of having her in a movie there were no plans of any of that so, um, you know, having this show is a big deal. 
And then when they released the images of her outfit and stuff, and it, it looked so bad. And every, it just, I think it, it, more than anything, I think that's what tanked the chance of the pilot. Yeah. And it was very plasticky. And mm. it, it looked like, like people were like making jokes about it looking like, you know, those kind of uh, slutty Halloween outfits that you buy in right. bags. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure there's some poor costumer somewhere who worked really hard on it. And it was just yeah. not what what worked um right. so i got very like oh mm-hmm. that's so obvious like you know re- greek and roman and me coming with, from a background in historical costuming i was like mm-hmm. come on like gladiator skirts like it's so clear so i was like you know what i will be the first person to go dress up at san diego comic-con uh-huh. I spoilers super clueless didn't know uh <laughs> <laughs> so um i got with some of my friends uh from the renaissance fair my a blacksmith friend of mine named jacques and he made like real metal armor for me. And I like sewed a full leather outfit with like a gladiator skirt. Um, wow. And it was just so much fun to put together. And in this process, I was going on the internet and like looking up some different costuming techniques that I wasn't fluent in at the time. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, there's a thing called cosplay. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. And this was like a long time ago now, um, almost nine years ago. Yeah. My God, it was nine years ago. Okay. Sorry. I did the math for a moment. <laughs> Uh, and like cosplay wasn't what it is today it was like something that was Mm -hmm. little known um it was some people doing some comic book stuff mostly it was anime stuff Mm -hmm. and the wider world even me who was very steeped in comic book culture and ttrpgs Mm -hmm. and had been for a while like wasn't really aware of it yeah it was this like kind of niche thing that i like found through stumbling uh through like online forums and like the weird corners of the internet yeah. So it's been really fun to kind of be part of that and kind of watch it become part of the very common lexicon. Yeah. I was listening to a political podcast the other day and they mm-hmm. were like, oh yeah. And they used it as like a reference to something like, oh, he's, huh. like, cos- he's like cosplaying this. And I was like, <laughs> wow, what? <laughs> they're talking yeah. about Washington DC politics and they referred to cosplaying <laughs> and they assumed enough of their audience would know what it was that it like made sense. Yeah, and would you have thought nine years ago when you started this thing that you would you would hear that on a political podcast? <laughs> no, right? And it's like not at all. And that it's so common, and there's you know you go to a, a con- and I mean obviously in 2011 I already discovered oh I'm definitely not going to be the only person dressing up at Comic Con, <laughs> but now you yeah. go and it's just like there's so many people and there's so much more access to it. I think. Um, yeah. Yep. And this there was like this explosion, like. Like, I joined in, like, two or three years after I started cosplaying is when it really started to boom. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a lot of that was uh, YouTubers started making about how to do... Yeah. I, I'm a teacher, so I adore that. I, yes. Like, yes. people going and finding how to do things. And I've I've made tutorials. I've also learned stuff found. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So that it has lowered the barrier to end. You no yeah. longer have to be, like, a trained costumer to look mm-hmm. good and feel good about it. So I think it's fantastic. And now it's just so common and there's so many people do it and it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. And you, I mean, you have the background in historical costuming, like you said, but not everyone does. So <laughs> the fact that they can jump on the internet and learn how to make something like a leather skirt or whatever it is that they need to do, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. So with the cosplaying that you do, do you ever mix the TTRPGs with the cosplaying? Do you ever dress up as your characters or anything like that? I have. Uh, not mm-hmm. a lot. I don't do it a lot because I I mostly cosplay from comic books. Okay. Specifically, the super-powered awesome women of DC are like my go-tos. Nice. I've done other stuff. Yeah. I've done a lot of other stuff. But like Big Barda yeah. and Wonder Woman are my favorites. Nice. <laughs> um, and But I have done it a couple times. I was running a game at a charity event for a local... Uh, 
a gaming store mm-hmm. and I decided to run a Wild Towns game, Wild Town that's for superheroes. So I actually okay. dressed as Wonder Woman and it the the game was basically like the audition process for superheroes to join the Justice League. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was really fun, and it was really cool. Um, so yeah, there's somewhere somewhere on the internet, there's pictures of me dressed as Wonder Woman GMing a game. That's um, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have, uh, there was a character I played in, uh, there, Jason Mills is a fantastic uh, TTRBG cr- creator. Um, oh yeah, I, I love like, Jason. I've yeah, met him. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, so I was lucky enough to play in his first campaign of his uh, Powered by the Apocalypse Hap Demigods. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. played a character named Raven, who was a trickster. And, nice. and she was the daughter of behavioral science. Mm-hmm. So I dressed up as the goddess behavioral science based on Jason's description of her with like raven dress and like feathers mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Oh. So it was very cool. Um, I, for, I did that for Labyrinth of Jareth with costume, uh, like yeah. a costume masquerade ball. And that oh. was really fun to make that full big outfit. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited for Demigods to come out. I backed oh, yeah. it on Kickstarter and... Um, when I met him this past summer, he showed me the quick start guide to it and everything. So I'm definitely waiting for that. Pretty excited oh, about that. Me so. too. It's so exciting. It's so- Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so with, obviously, Wonder Woman, you said you're a big fan of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. That makes sense that your company is called Golden Lasso Games then, yeah? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how did that get started? How did you move from um, playing games and GMing and all of that into having this company where you're making games? It was one of those things that was sort of unexpected. I never really <laughs> planned to be a game designer. I love playing <laughs> games and yeah, that's what I love to do. And then I got the idea for a game called Decima um, <laughs> and actually kickstarting right now. So we'll be talking yes. more about that in a few minutes. I know oh, yeah, put a pin yeah. in that. But <laughs> I noticed that, you know, my friends and I were really into PBTA for a while. <laughs> it's kind of been like the fad recently for people who are playing more indie games. Definitely yeah. not. I wouldn't classify it as indie anymore, but... It's so no, mainstream. Yeah. But uh-huh. the, there's a component in when you create characters in Powered by the Apocalypse where there's character connection. Mm-hmm. So they have questions where your character becomes linked with other table. And mm-hmm. I found that we were missing that terribly. Mm-hmm. So we actually were like finding, okay, well, we're doing a sci-fi system. We're playing Traveler or something like that. So we'd go grab yeah. those questions from a sci-fi type VTA hack. And then mm-hmm. just kind of tweak the questions, but that way we had that when we started those campaigns. Yeah. So I started going, you know, this got to be a way to like make a system or a, or a tool that can do this for any system. Yeah. Um, so I started, you know, like I said, I'm a teacher, so I've been writing questions for 10 years. So I started mm-hmm. writing this crazy list of questions and playing with ways to randomize it. Yeah. Um, and I started messing with that. And we'll talk more about that process in a few minutes. But that was sort of my launch into like, I have an idea that I think people would like. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. then you start talking about it. People are like, have you seen something like this? And they're like, no, I've never heard. That sounds really cool. And you're like, oh, I think I came <laughs> up with an idea. Yes. And it's like when you get to the point where I don't think any game designer goes into starting to play games thinking I'm going to create my own thing someday. Yeah. You know, like you go into it because you like playing and then you move into GMing because you're like, I think I could take it this extra step. And then eventually you get into game design. Exactly. <laughs> so because you see this is something that's missing in the experience. I wish I had this. So therefore, I'm going to create it. Exactly. So yeah. that's yeah. like the perfect progression. Um, yeah. So that's been in process for a while. I've been beta mm-hmm. testing that for almost a year now. Um, mm-hmm. And in the meantime, actually, I joined um, 
the Itch.io community has a lot of indie developers Mm -hmm. um, and they have things called game jams. Okay. So one of the game jams that I joined was folklore, folklore jam. And Mm -hmm. that's basically a, it's not a competition, but it's like people write games in a short amount of time. It's meant to be like a creative. Okay. Um, So it's like, okay, we've got three weeks to, you know, and and the theme is folklore, write a game about folklore. Mm -hmm. So I was, I became very inspired by that. So I wrote my first actual game that got published, even though I came up with the idea much, much after Mm -hmm. (laughs) Decima. Um, yeah. So I wrote Virgins and Vixens. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really proud of it, especially because it was done in such a short time. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize that it was one of those things that had been like it came to mind after you had started Decima. So that's that's awesome. So how did how did that come up about? You said it was like a creative writing exercise type thing. Yeah, and it's uh, like the the jams are like okay, here's a theme. You've got three mm-hmm. weeks to write a game. So I was thinking, wow. I was like, okay, folklore. Like I was thinking, okay ravens are a thing in folklore and then i just started thinking of folklore as a whole as a as a genre and Mm -hmm. myth and things like that and then being a bit of a feminist i was like most of the time the women characters are cringe Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're very one-dimensional whether they're the heroes or the villains um so i started thinking of that as kind of a way to approach the folklore Mm -hmm. um so for virgins and vixens what you start is one of six tropes you pick them um, okay. There's like the prize, which is the pretty princess that is in the tower. And then when, you know, the hero comes and rescues her, he gets her. And most of the time she doesn't have a name. <laughs> she might have a name. Right. You know, things like that. And then you've got mm-hmm. on the other end of the spectrum, the witch, which is, you know, generally she's vilified for having knowledge and, right. you know, considered evil. So you just kind of break these things down and they're very easy to find in all folklore from around the world. Mm-hmm. There are yeah. definitely exceptions. Like there are myths and legends that have strong, great female characters. Mm-hmm. They are the exception more than the rule. Absolutely, yeah. So um, kind of inspired by BTA, I came up with a system that I'm still trying to name, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's based on, and my friend sees me about the teaching thing, they're like, okay, you came up with a game that teaches vocabulary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, basically you start, you get, you get, there's a list of descriptor words for every trope, and uh-huh. you get to select five of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the starting part, point of your character. And then you roll 2d6 based on, on those skills. So if I'm if I'm the prize princess and mm-hmm. I'm trying to charm someone, then, you know, it's, uh, you know, I roll charming and I ha- and I get advantage, basically. So I get to pick the two highest, or I roll three dice. I get to pick mm-hmm. the two highest. Oh, cool. Okay. But if I roll something that's not on there, like if I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and climb this thing. Well, mm-hmm. that's definitely not one of your five descriptor words. Right. Then yeah. we call then you roll what's called a defiance roll. So you still roll three dice, but you pick the two lowest. Okay. If you succeed still, you get to mark like an empowerment. Okay. And once you fill out your empowerments, basically it's like you're learning and growing by doing things that are kind of against your nature or against your Yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay. So once you fill out five empower- empowerments, you get to cross out one of your current descriptor words mm-hmm. and write in a new one that you get to pick or there's a list oh. of suggestions. So okay. if frightened or de- or dependent are, mm-hmm. you know, your descriptor word, you can cross that out and put independent. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the idea is I like, like as you play the game, um, you get a whole new set of descriptor words. You can keep some of the old ones if you like them. Like charming is definitely helpful. You can stay charming. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that one. Yeah. So, but you become a much more unique, fleshed out character yeah. rather than just a trope that you were at the beginning of the story. That's awesome. So that one's called Virgins and Vixens, and it's available now, right? Yeah, like you it's, can out? Go, it's just a downloadable game. Like, there's no beautiful... Cool. It's really pretty. I'm actually very uh, proud of the artwork um, and, and uh-huh. how it goes. I went around and found uh, 
art from different um, uh, cultural groups from around the world. Mm-hmm. And on the on every character sheet, they're called storybooks. They, you fold uh-huh. them because, of course, arts and crafts. From, um, <laughs> but there's also suggestions or examples of that trope from uh-huh. folklore and myth from around the world. See that. So oh, that's cool. Educational and fun. <laughs> yes. It's a, uh, what was it? Edutainment. Yeah, there you go. That's what you, <laughs> and you can my find, back. Yeah, you can find that at goldenlassogames.com. So awesome. That's there and there's a thing you can click on it. And I think uh, it's listed on Itch.io for like $3. So. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, my background is in corporate training. So the whole, you have to make it fun or they're not going to pay attention thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. That's very cool. I, I, when I was kind of looking at the different things you've done, I came across that and I'm like, I need to ask about that. That sounds very interesting. (laughs) So, uh, do you, and I'm not going to talk a lot about video games because Mm -hmm. this is not a video game podcast, but do you play video games at all? I do. I love video games a lot. Okay. (laughs) There is a game that I played called, um, it's Gris or Gris in mm-hmm. Spanish, G-R-I-S. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it sounds like the, like you start out and the character's kind of weak and then you go through and she has to battle through these different nice. things and then become stronger. And it's like, you unlocked um, joy or whatever. And so she kind of becomes stronger as she goes. And so the way you were talking about it, it kind of sounds a little bit like that. Yeah, I'm that like, sounds Definitely like something I'd love. I will look that up and I'll write that down right now. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's on the Switch. I know that because okay. that's all I have. But oh, nice. okay. Yeah, yeah. But I it was it's really those, cool so. and it's beautiful. The artwork in it is absolutely gorgeous. Awesome. So yeah, I recommend that. Um, okay, so Virgins and Vixens has been out since like May, right? Yeah. And so that was kind of a creative detour you took in the process of coming out with Dekuma, then, right? Yeah, it's while we were doing beta test. So, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I put the the document out there, and it's hard when you like release your baby into the world. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I need something to distract me. Yeah. Like, this is out there. You go do the thing. I have to go do something else. <laughs> yeah, and I had like my Google form where people were submitting. Yeah. Uh, like their feedback and stuff, and I was really lucky to have people interested from all over the world. Actually, so we had hmm. so many playtesters. It went really well. I got incredible feedback. Um, yeah. Most of it was like very kind and well-intentioned and very productive. Oh, um, good. And so that was great. But yeah, I was like, I'll do this side thing. And I was really excited that uh, it was actually the number one selling game or physical game because most of Itch.io mm-hmm. is actually like like video game. But it was okay. the number one selling physical game on Itch.io for a couple weeks. Exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. And especially for a little side thing that you decided yeah. in three weeks to create. Yeah, so. which, was my, which was technically my first release. So I was like, all right. Yeah. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've gotten that out of the way, so Dekuma is not going to be your first release anymore, so you won't be as nervous about it. <laughs> right. It will be my first, like, physical game if it yeah. gets funded. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So in Dekuma, now we're going to get into that. So okay. this is going to be, it's kickstarting at the time of this interview airing. Right. Okay. So they can go right And now. it's something that you can use in all different systems, right? So if you wanted to, for example, maybe you could use it for Virgins and Vixens? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Basically, so Dekuma, we call it the R&D for your RP. So it is a tool that you can use before you start a campaign in any system, in any setting that basically creates connection between the the PC character. So you'll Mm -hmm. actually come into Dekuma with at least a concept for your character. If you want Mm -hmm. to come with a fleshed out character sheet with a backstory and everything, that's great too. You can do either one. Um, But if you want to sit down and just be like, I am Janet, the bard, you know, mm-hmm. and I used to be rich, but then I gambled all my money away. Like, that's uh-huh. enough to, like, start and play deck. Okay. Um, yeah, it's lots of fun. And so it creates character connections. 
It also creates the kind of like main location of your campaign. So mm-hmm. that can be anything from I, I've done a haunted house. Like literally we created the haunted oh. house or uh-huh. like full size kingdoms. Or, okay. Um, so it's very flexible. Um, and that includes like actual physical things like this is where the tavern's located. This uh-huh. is where the water recycling plant in our generation ship is like whatever you uh-huh. want. Um, yeah. And it also creates MP for the for the world. Okay. So it really like, kind of kickstarts that part of it. And then finally, it creates um, like the dynamics of the party and how they interact. So, you know, that one time where we accidentally knocked down that building while we were trying to beat the bad guy, (laughs) you know, Uh really upset those people. So Mm -hmm. then like, you know, there's people who like you, people who don't. Maybe you depend Mm -hmm. on someone financially. Maybe you have a great reputation. All that Mm -hmm. is also. That's awesome. And I really I think that there's a lot more that you get out of the game when you have it fully fleshed out like that. I think that adds another layer to it. So uh, you had kind of referred to it as a game. So Decima, you can play on a, like as a mini game before you get into a one shot or a campaign, or can it be a standalone thing? It can be a standalone thing that wasn't its intended design, but uh-huh. uh, I've found that a lot of people really just enjoy that. It's a great kind of like creative exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't like role play during it. You can't. Some mm-hmm. people get into it enough to like talking character and stuff but it's a choice like you can role play anything yeah you can role play anything <laughs> um but yeah you can do it as a standalone game too just as like a creative exercise i actually had an author download the beta thing mm-hmm. and he, he was like using it by him because you can do it solo um and he was using it at, uh, to like get himself through writer's story who was oh so, I, that, I could totally see that that makes sense yeah, yeah. I, it had never occurred to me but I, when he gave some feedback i was like oh that's really that's fascinating Rad. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and I've had a lot of GMs do it solo to create worlds for their group. I personally mm-hmm. love when I'm GMing, and this is a tool that I wanted for my own GMing. And then I kind of uh-huh. was like, if I want it, other people probably want it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you were saying, that buy-in. Because mm-hmm. we've all played that campaign where you're like sitting there with your like four best friends. And mm-hmm. then you're like, you are strangers in a tavern. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I don't know if I can trust that dwarf. Right. You know, hey, does little Sally want to come play with Billy this afternoon? Like with your kids and like, like right. out of character. So there's uh-huh. always that like awkwardness where you're like role playing, not knowing each other or learning to trust each other. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Like, I don't mind doing uh-huh. that. But yeah. I find it so much more interesting, like with PBTA and Numenera and all these things where it's like you jump in and you already have all this history with them. And maybe you haven't seen them for a while, but oh uh-huh. my gosh, they were your, they're your ex. And oh, you mm. saved the planet with them one time. But, you know, so it's just so much more interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. I have a campaign that I'm in right now where the... Uh, it's a D&D campaign, 5e campaign, so mm-hmm. it's a homebrew world, and so the DM sat down with each of us beforehand, and we're like, okay, and asked very specific questions about our backstories, and so she kind of went through that with us just on her own, yeah. and something like this, it'd be really cool to be able to sit down and do it kind of as a... a like a session zero. Yeah, yeah, during character development or character building. Yeah. It's better than just rolling dice and going with it. Like, to have more to do with it so that you know exactly how to interact with some of the other party members. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and it really, you know, I, I I designed it with D&D and stuff like that in mind mm-hmm. because most of the GMs and DMs I know were doing like your, your, your friend was doing. Like, they're kind yeah. of like pulling other stuff together and ad hoc making stuff up on their own and trying yeah. to do this. So I just was like, like, just make a tool so they don't have to pull it all, you know, from d- different sources. So it's just like in one place, in one little card box that's mm-hmm. just in your gaming bag or whatever. You don't have to have mm-hmm. a giant book or any of that stuff. It's like, here you go, deal some cards and boom, it's done. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So they're it's card based, like you said, and um, from what I was reading, it's kind of like a tarot type thing. Yes. Awesome. So where did that inspiration come to put that in there with it? I wanted something that had more options than a regular card deck. Uh-huh. Um, there's a great game out there called The Quiet Year, which was a big inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. It's a story game. It's not so much. Um, okay. But you go through and you draw cards and you answer questions about this one quiet year of this small small town uh, before it like meets its end. It's like mm-hmm. there's a terrible war and something else that is going to terrible is going to happen. So there's one quiet year. So you basically mm-hmm. together through drawing cards and random questions, you tell the story at the table of this one quiet year people have. Okay. So it kind of inspired the mechanic of using cards with questions on them. Uh-huh. Um, and then I liked the option of tarot just because just beautiful kind of symbolism to me, like using it to mm-hmm. like tell the fortune or the fate of your campaign. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I know there are people who, who are very big believers in tarot. I really enjoy mm-hmm. tarot. Um, yeah. I tend to look at it more like an inkblot test where it kind of, mm-hmm. you see, it, like it, re- it reveals things that are already on your mind thinking about. Yeah. So I love the fact that each card has its own meaning and things mm-hmm. that it's trying to tell you. And I tied in all the cards to the meanings of the tarot card, uh-huh. which also was very helpful in kind of making sure there was a variety of, of questions that stuck down one path. Um, yeah. So there's like, there's 78 cards in a tarot mm-hmm. deck. So that means there's two questions on each card. So there's just so many possibilities. Like, you could play this game hundreds and hundreds of times and never get the same combination of questions. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I loved that, too. And also, the, there were three different things that I wanted the game to create. The location, the individual character connections, and the... Mm-hmm. And I, was, I couldn't figure out how to do that with a regular deck of cards because there's four suits. Yeah. So luckily, Tarot has four suits, but then they have the Major Arcana card. Yeah. So the way it's broken up is two of the suits um, are combined. They make the character connections. Two of the suits are combined. They make the location question. And then mm-hmm. the Major Arcana work together to create the group dynamic. Question. So that's it awesome. just kind of split more evenly into three categories that way, too. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. One of the things with tarot is um, like the artwork on the cards. That's when someone actually uses tarot cards for something. That's one of the things that helps them choose which deck to use is the artwork on it. So what's the artwork on these cards like? Uh, that's one of the things we're actually kickstarting for. Um, my okay. good friend, Sam- friend Samantha Terry um, is a professional artist. She's done a bunch of graphic design work for Blizzard and DC hmm. Comics and things like that. Like this is what she does for a living. And she's very yeah. graciously um, joined the Decima team. Um, uh-huh. So she is going to do individual card. Well, hopefully there's two tiers. <laughs> if we hit our original, our, our base goal, she's going to do all the major arcana cards and then more basic designs. Like the three of swords will have three swords on it, which uh-huh. isn't ideal for actually reading tarot. But yeah. for the purpose of Decima, you don't actually have to know anything about tarot to play Decima. Uh, yeah, it helps. Okay. It's like an Easter egg. It's like, oh, yeah. this, the questions on this card match, blah, 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 so perfectly. If you don't, yeah. you can just read the questions and play. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's one of those where if you know, then yeah. you know. And you can kind of smile to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Um, but then one of the stretch goals we have is she will do individual artwork for each. So okay. that way it's kind of doable. My friend, Mac McVeigh, who's in charge of our um, merchandise and helping uh-huh. me price everything out, she does that professionally. Um, for Crypt TV and a bunch of different places, um, is actually also a professional tarot reader. So oh, she's cool. been kind of my like second, like in like giving me the opinions on yeah, this question matches, but maybe tweak it just a little bit. Um, yeah. So she's helping, and Samantha is also a very avid tarot reader herself. So as she's doing the art, she knows what should be there. 
Yeah. So it should be great. Um, and it, we're just, we decided to go with kind of a shadow puppet. Okay. So a lot of the main figures will be um, just completely like shadow or black figures with color behind. Ooh, and okay. we decided to go with that because I wanted it to be generic. There's so okay, many, yeah. yeah, there's so many tarot decks out there that are like really high fantasy or things like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're making, you know, a wild west town, you don't necessarily yeah. want elves all over your tarot deck. <laughs> True. So it's kind of generic. I also think representation is really important. So mm-hmm. having them be kind of shadow figures that anyone can see themselves in yeah. or their character in was really important. That's awesome. I like the thought that went into the artwork that you're going to be doing on these. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and we like do that. have, if you go check out the Kickstarter page at goldenlassogames.com slash Kickstarter, that redirects straight to the Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see there's samples. We do have a couple of the cards done. We have the Fool done, the Star done, um, mm-hmm. and then we have some in-process, kind of the style of the art and the cards like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I saw on goldenlassogames.com, I was looking around on there, and I saw that there were some videos of people actually using them. Yes. And one of the examples that I watched, because I'm a big sci-fi fan, uh-huh. so when I saw that you did one that was kind of sci-fi, I immediately was like, I'll watch this one. Yeah. <laughs> so you designed a ship and all of that with it, right? Because you get to do the entire the environment and everything that you're in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we did, there's two sci-fi ones up there. One was mm-hmm. a, a colony on a uh, an asteroid. And then okay. one was a generation ship where yeah. people had lived there their whole lives. So I think you watched the generation ship one. Yeah, that's the one I watched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so we started out basically for the location. I generally draw like an outline of whatever mm-hmm. it is as the GM. So for that one, there's like the outline of the ship that I drew. Yeah. Um, and so as we go through, we add it in there. So, you know, they had like a bar. They had they had the sleeping quarters. There was the water recycling area. So you actually, as you're playing the game, you fill in all these things and actually... I say draw because like there's a mm-hmm. reason I have Samantha on board <laughs> for me. It's like this is a square and then I label it water recycling yeah. plant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so but then you end up with kind of um, a shared understanding of locations too. Uh-huh. When, yeah. Which is really important in campaigns because I've done a lot of games where like, of GMing and I GM at cons a lot like one shot with strangers. Uh-huh. Yeah. And one of the things I was running uh, uh, like a teenage super game once at a high school. Mm-hmm. And it, I got partway through the game and we were like halfway through and people were describing what they were doing and it just like wasn't making sense. And mm. I suddenly realized that everyone at the table was picturing their high school. Oh, yeah. So we were yeah. all doing things and picturing completely different places, even though we were like, oh, yeah, there's a football field. And so having yeah. kind of like, yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> in my high school, the football field was over here and the auditorium was over there. Right. But your high school was over there and over there. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of created like a little bit of an issue. Um, yeah. Because we were doing a, a more narrative game. It wasn't like D&D, like a map. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I was like, okay, the shared understanding of where things are is really so mm-hmm. something I've always kind of carried along. And then when everyone's adding things to the map, they have the first time I used Decima, like in its finished state, I was uh, to start a campaign. It was amazing because I found as a GM, I had to do so much less explaining. Yeah. Because people came to the, it, it was a wild west town that we'd made and they were supposed to have lived there for years. So it made perfect mm-hmm. sense that they knew it well. Yeah. But instead of having them come, oh, okay, I go to the bank. Where's the bank? And then right. me as a GM having to explain it, it's like, well, they drew the <laughs> bank on the map. 
So yeah. they know where it was, and they knew the t- town as well as their characters would have. And it was just amazing. It was like revolution. So cool. That's awesome. And that's when, I mean, because you talk about metagaming of you knowing more than your character would know, but sometimes it's the opposite, right. where your character would know more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> so something like this, it really helps you get into character and really uh, get immersed in the game when right. you get to know things and you draw out the map and all of that. That's awesome. So in your perfect world, how would people use this? Oh, man, I think before their campaigns to like mm-hmm. really solidify that. Um, I'd love to see like it. Deckham is also designed to be very uh, flexible. So mm-hmm. if you are playing a game like a Powered by the Apocalypse game, for example, Masks, that has amazing character connection, uh-huh. like all you have to do is leave out the certains of cards and they actually have some different symbols on the back. And then all okay. you have, then then you don't do character connections, Ekema. You just build the location and do group dynamic. So it's okay, very yeah. flexible. Yeah. And then the same thing, if you're playing D&D and you are doing, you know, um, a, a set adventure and it's in Waterdeep, well, you mm-hmm. don't need to create a location. You've got Waterdeep. Yeah. So yeah. then you just leave out those cards and you do group connections and character connections and you just don't worry about those. Sort. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see this just become like this little tool, like dice or anything else that people carry around with them. Yeah, that they use when they start campaigns or when they're bored at a convention and you know you're, it's like two in the morning and you don't want to stop gaming so you're like let's do yeah. a game and this <laughs> kind of like jump starts it so you don't spend the first two hours getting to know you oh for sure and it is one of those things where for one shots I could see this being again on the fly just take this out build your characters up real quick and get into your one shot because it's two o'clock in the morning and you weren't planning on starting anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've also yeah. had people write in saying that they used it like when they their game went on hiatus because of life. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they played for a, a couple months and then like somebody had surgery and it's three months since they played. So they come mm-hmm. back and they just do like some character to like yeah. kind of warm themselves back up and like get those kinds flowing again. Because for your characters, it's been a day. <laughs> right. But for you, it's been so long. So it kind of just like is kind of like a good icebreaker thing too that you can yeah. use akin to like love letters and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And also, uh, going back to video games, which we're not talking about because this isn't a video game podcast, (laughs) but the character creation is the most fun part of it, you know? (laughs) You can spend hours just going through character creation, and this is something that helps with that. And I know uh, me and one of my friends, she's in three of my campaigns right now Mm -hmm. that I'm in. It takes her so long to build her character because she keeps changing her mind. And something like this would be really helpful for someone like that. Yeah. Because it really just kind of gives you more specific things to go off of instead of just the world is your oyster. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think that that helps a lot with the too open-minded about things. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes narrow having it down some direction and some prompts uh, is all you need. Mm-hmm. And you can... it also is great because uh, you, you sometimes get a card that you hadn't considered. Like, even, yeah. even though I made up all the questions, like, mm-hmm. still when I play sometimes, it's like, oh, I, I never thought about that. Okay. Yeah. Our town does. It competes in a competition. What what competition does our town participate in mm-hmm. sometimes? And just, like, random things like that. Or, you know, oh, there's a superstition in our location. What what are we superstitious about? And things like that yeah. that just kind of make give it, like, an extra layer and, mm-hmm. and an extra bit of realness and uniqueness that you can't just, you can't always get just with a map or a character. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very exciting. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'll, I'll be backing it when it comes out, just so you know, because <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. And uh, it's out right now. It's very exciting. Yes, yes, that's very, very exciting. Awesome. Okay, so is there anything else before we wrap up that you want to say about Decima versus Vixens cosplay? <laughs> anything like anything at all that you want to put out there before we're 
wrap it up? I don't think so. I think I just want to like do like a blurb of where to find all the stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us, tell us where to find you and all of the different projects you have going on. All right. Well, to find my games, go to goldenlassogames.com. Um, mm-hmm. There is a link there to Decima um, and the Decima Kickstarter, which is up right now. Go support it. We have some fantastic tiers and amazing stretch goals to get, you know, like we were saying earlier, more awesome art, uh, mm-hmm. cool different things. Um, you can get me running a game for you. You can get a tarot reader to read tarot for you with Decima. There's Ooh. a lot of great prizes there. So go support that at goldenlassogames.com slash Kickstarter. We'll redirect you right to the Kickstarter page. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to find me on social media, I am at Golden Lasso Girl everywhere. So mm-hmm. Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all the things. So I have all those places. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and yeah, and if you want to check out my podcast or our APs at all, you can go to happyjacks.org. Awesome. Very cool. And we'll have links to all of those on the social medias. When we post this, we'll definitely put links to the Kickstarter and all of that. Uh, it, it sounds awesome. I'm really excited to use it as a tool in my different campaigns. So I'm very much looking forward to this coming out. So. I'm excited. I'm very nervous. <laughs> it's yeah. my first Kickstarter, so we'll see. Fingers oh, crossed. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed, yeah. definitely. All right. Well, Kimmy, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to put this out there and get everyone... Uh, word about your awesome games that you have going well thank you so much for joining me thank you everyone else out there for tuning in and this is ashley and once again kimmy with golden last two games and we will catch you later